want to read something to you that God spoke to me last night, and it's out of uh, some reading that I've just been doing personally, but it, it ties into what we're going to do today, because what we're doing today is we're calling it Take Five, and we're taking five slots where God is speaking to people to speak through people, and that's what God did with Ezekiel, the prophet, and he came across this, this vision of these dry bones. Have you guys ever have time in your life where it looks like it's just dry, like just what once was is no longer, you know? And that's kind of the picture that God was showing Ezekiel because in that time, the people of God had dried up. They had, they had stopped living their purpose. They'd, their identity had died. And it says in Ezekiel chapter 37, you know, God brings them to this field and to this vision and all their dry bones. And it says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And I, as I prophesied, there was a sound, behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. The Bible's very vivid. It paints pictures a lot, right? And, and it's because we're supposed to use our faith imagination along with it as we read. And so you might just picture this as you're reading, or as I'm reading this, that just picture this scene. It says, these bones came together bone to bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, on these, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And I feel like... You know, what God is speaking to me, through me today, for, for you guys right here before we even get started, is that there's some of us, we need to look at those dead things in our life right now and have hope again. Begin to prophesy to those things. Because what once was dead, with God, all things are possible, right? If God is anything, he's a resurrection God. You think about Abraham getting ready to take his son Isaac when God said, sacrifice your son. He took him up there by faith, knowing that even if he went through with it, that God would raise him from the dead. You think about all throughout scripture, there's time and time again where, where the, the situation would look dead, but then God would resurrect it, resurrect it. We think about Lazarus at the tomb, that God is a resurrection God. And of course, Jesus coming out of the tomb, that he's a resurrection God. And, and so what I want us to do right now is some of us need to just start right off today by prophesying. And, and prophesying simply means to say what God is saying. Like that's his most simple form is to hear what God is saying and speak that out. But I want you guys to prophesy to areas of your life right now. I want you to begin just even right now, if you would just close your eyes and just say, God, what are you saying? You might picture a, a, a dead relationship right now in your life where it feels like it can't come back to life or, uh, you know, there's things in your life that maybe it seems like that once were alive and had the breath of God and had the life of God in them. But right now it just does not seem like it's going to live again. Right now you begin to prophesy to those things by the word, by the spirit of God. We prophesy the breath of God, the life of God to come back into relationships, into marriages, into businesses, into dreams, into callings, into ministries. We prophesy, you, you prophesy right there where you're at. Don't just depend on me. You prophesy right there where you're at. You begin to say what you hear God saying by faith. 
You know, it may not look like it in the natural, but you begin to prophesy. Prophesy over your body. What does the Bible say about your body? That you have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. You begin to prophesy. You begin to hear what God is saying and you speak that out over your body, over someone that you know. We speak health and healing and life. Uh, maybe in your emotions you find that you have have gone from a, a season where everything was alive and now it seems like there's depression that's ruling and discouragement that's ruling and fear that's ruling. Right now we prophesy what the Word of God says, that we are people of love, of joy, of peace, of hope. Lord, we prophesy this fruit of the Spirit living and breathing through us right now. Let the breath of God breathe through us right now in the name of Jesus. God, if you're anything, you're a resurrection God. And somebody needs to get the hold of that hope this morning, that he is a resurrection God. And that what men have called dead, that God speaks and calls it alive. That what looks hopeless in the natural, that with God all things are possible. So God, we just thank you for that, that you are a possible God. We prophesy that right now. We speak that out right now in the name of Jesus. And we call those dead things alive. You know the end from the beginning. Lord, we agree with you right now, and we thank you for it. Come on, if you agree with that, give God some praise before we grab a seat. Amen. You guys can grab a seat, but, but that's just an example of what we're going to be doing today because um, we're, we're doing this again. We did, how many guys were with us last week when we did Take Five last week? That was awesome. We're doing this one more week, um, and what we're doing is we're taking five slots of time that are about five to seven minutes each. So there's five slots of time. And I've asked some people to fill those slots. And some of those, uh, we're going to have two slots, or, you know, two people in one of the slots. So you'll see there'll be actually seven people up here. Um, but I believe that God is speaking to people and God wants to speak through people. And so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be listening, uh, and we have two responsibilities as listeners. One, we've, we're going to be listening to what God is specifically saying to us, and it could happen during any one of these five slots, or it could happen during all of these five slots. So we want to be good listeners. The Bible says to, to be a, a good listener, that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so we're going to be good listeners today, and then hopefully we're going to take that from beyond just being a good listener to being a doer of the word as well. And then the second thing I want to encourage you to do is if you hear something that one of these people say that's good, that you like, that resonates in your spirit, I want you to encourage them. I mean, say amen, say that's good, say that's right. You can talk back in church. It's all right. So go ahead and practice it. Just, just say amen. Yeah, that's good. See, I mean, I can just preach all day if you're doing that. So it, it just draws something out of people. It draws uh, the Word of God out of us when, when we're encouraged like that, when we're speaking the Word of God. So I'm going to bring them up. Would you give them a big hand as they come up, and I'll introduce them. And, and we're going to, this is like tag team preaching, okay? So it's going to be awesome. They're just going to do their five to seven minutes and then they're going to pass it right off. So the first one we have is Tom DeWitt. He is one of our elders, oversees a ton of big things around here at the church. Would you give Tom a big hand? So he's going to share slot one. We've got... Ben and Lydia Phillips, if you don't know Ben and Lydia, uh, the, for the first 12 years of this church, they ran our Journey Kids ministry. This church would not exist without Ben and Lydia. Would you give them a big hand? They're going to be filling a couple slots. 
Joseph and Megan Heron in the back, they oversee our hospitality ministry and our marriage ministry. And then they also have a two-to-one marriage ministry outside of our church as well. It's on their heart. Would you give them a big hand as they speak today? Get ready to share. And then we got Pastor Aaron and Sarah, and they just do all kinds of stuff around here. Would you give Pastor Aaron and Sarah a big hand as well? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to pass it off to Tom. Lord, we just say, anoint this time. Anoint these speakers today. Lord, we want to be uh, people who have ears to hear what the Word of God is saying, what the Word of the Lord is saying through these people. Let these seeds fall in good soil, produce a harvest in our life, so that we can go out and expand your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's Tom. All right, good morning. This morning's going to be a powerful time, and I'd ask that all of us have, kind of like what Sean was saying, that all of us have a high level of excitement and a high level of expectation for what God's going to say and what God's going to do and how he's going to move in our lives this morning. So about a week ago, at about 3 a.m. on Sunday, God woke me up and said, here is what I have for you, and here's what to share in one of these slots. And so buckle up and get ready because we're going we're gonna to draw some lines in the sand today and we're going to step over those lines and we're going to allow God to move in the way that only he can move. So point number one, when you draw a line in the sand, you actually have to step over that line and not hide behind that line. When we draw a line and we say things like, I can't do this or I won't do that, or I won't go here, or I won't go there, or specifically when we say things like, I cannot forgive, I can't forget, I, don't, I can't love, I can't accept. All of those things, what happens when we do that is we add layer upon layer upon layer of that line that we created. And what eventually happens is, we, is it gets so high that we build a wall, and that wall just keeps getting larger and larger. And then when we say things and we do things, what happens is, is when those things start coming back at us again, we have a tendency to hide behind that wall because we don't want to deal with those issues. And those issues are truly heart issues that we need to deal with. And so eventually what happens is that wall gets so tall that we can't even see over that wall anymore. And what we've really done is we've separated ourselves from God. We've separated ourselves in this wall that we've created, and, and we've separated from the fullness of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, of his forgiveness, and we've really separated ourselves from the fullness of his presence. We need to draw a line in the sand. We need to come out from that wall that we've created. We need to draw a line in the sand. We need to step over that wall. And we need to look to Jesus and fix our eyes on Jesus. And we did not ever need to go back from what we said we aren't going to do anymore. Draw that line in the sand today. Point number two. We need to stop giving Satan credit for something that's all us. Obviously, we live in a world that has good and evil in it. There are spiritual battles that take place. There's spiritual warfare that takes place. 
We can see that. It's all around us. We see it in, in the world. We see it in our nation. We see it in the church. We see it in our families. Satan is coming after us. But the problem is, is that we give Satan credit for way too many things. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. We have control over Satan. We have power over Satan. Satan has no power. No power. The Bible talks about in John 10.10 that Satan comes to do what? Steal. Steal, kill, and destroy. But through Jesus... We overcome that, and we are overcomers in that. So we need to draw a line in the sand today, and we need to step over that line and stop giving Satan credit for that. And let me give you, let me give you a couple examples of what that looks like. So let's say that one day you wake up, and you say, man, Satan is just attacking me today. Satan is attacking my body. I don't feel good. I've got my stomach hurts. I've been to the bathroom like 10 times today. I just feel like complete dirt. But here's the thing. Could it be that extra large pizza that you just had half of it last night or the three Dr. Peppers that you had or the great idea that you had to wash all that down with a hot fudge shake from Sonic? That's not Satan. That's us. And let me tell you, the pizza was pretty good. Let me give you another example. Another example is you say, Satan is just attacking my finances. He's attacking my car. I've got car problems after car problems after car problems. I've got flat tires all the time. It's just, it's just always in the shop. Well, could it be that you needed an oil change like 15,000 miles ago? Or that you needed to get new tires six months ago and you're driving around and you're picking up every nail, screw, and sharp object in the county because your car your tires look like racing slicks? You know, those are things that are not Satan. That's you. We've caused that, not Satan. So we need to draw a line in the sand. We need to step over that line in the sand and we need to stop giving Satan credit for the things that we control, that we do, not Satan. And the entire time that, he's, that we're giving him credit for that, what is he doing? He's celebrating. He's dancing around acting like a fool, celebrating something that he had nothing to do with. So draw that line in the sand, step over it, and don't look back. Third point, step into the promised land. You know, the Israelites wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness. For 40 years. We need to draw a line in the sand and step over that line into the promised land, into what God has promised for us, what, he is, what he's called us to do, what he's called us to be, his plans and his purposes. We need to step into those. I'll say it again. We need to draw a line in the sand and step over into God's promised land and what he has for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Lydia Phillips. Good job, Tom. Good job. Okay, so who has ever gone out to walk, run, ride your bike, right? You've got a path that you set out and you completed it, right? Anybody? Anybody? Like, I think everybody out there probably, okay? I think everybody is on a journey, right? We're all on a path, and we're all on a path, excuse me, and we all have a different pace, 
okay? So today, I think what I have to say will apply to everybody in this room. Um, The word steadfast, God gave to me in 2019. Um, He started speaking to me through that word and, and wrote a song on my heart even. And the word steadfast means to be firm in your faith, to be steady, uh, to be unwavering, and to be firm in your purpose, okay? And I have to give you a little bit of history really quick. Um, My husband, Ben, like Sean said, we have four amazing children, okay? Our oldest is Mariah, and she just got married this past May to Jordan, and we welcomed him into our family. And then here in two weeks, our son Dylan, he's our third, will be getting married and uh, we will invite another into our family, which will be Amber. And then a week after that, we will be taking our daughter Mackenzie to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and go to Radiant School of Worship for the next whole semester, all right? And then our youngest daughter, Brittany, will be at home with Ben and I, staying steady and staying firm in her purpose of what God has for her, okay? So all of that to say is that there's kind of a lot of change and transition and growing in our house, okay? A lot's going on. Um, And I don't know what season you're in right now. Maybe you have a lot of little ones at home still and you are teaching them steadily. Or maybe you're just newly married. Maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe you're single. Whatever it is, I believe that God says you can be steadfast. You can stay steady in the purpose and the plans that God has for you right now. It may look a little different, but for each of us, we're still on that path, okay? God was showing me all throughout the Bible, and he continues to show me how steadfast his love love is for us. But God was showing me that our heart needs to be that steadfast in him. So I have three main points that I think that we need to walk out if we're going to stay steadfast in our journey, all right? The first one is to keep the right perspective, okay? How easy is it for us to, when we're on a path, right, we can see how hard something is or how easy it is, right? We can think negative, we can think positive. We can choose to see the good or see the bad, right? Perspective is a view, right? How we see a situation, how we see what we're going through, and easily, So I'll jump into number two, because I don't have a lot of time, but jump into number two, which is stop comparison. Because if you end up in the wrong perspective, it's easily that you're probably going to go into comparing, right? Like how many times do we look at somebody else and think, I just wish I had that. Or I just wish my marriage looked like that. I just wish my friends looked like that. I just wish, you know, how many things can we think of that we could compare in our lives when really we should be focusing on what God has for us in our season, in our life. So I challenge you, what is your focus? Where are you focusing right now? Stop comparing yourself to others. And then the last one, my favorite, is just praise him. Praise him, praise him, because no matter what you're going through, you can praise him, and you can thank him for all the things he's already done and what he's going to do and what is. So thank him and be grateful in your season because God is good. And no matter what, you can stay steady. So I just pray that you are encouraged today. Thanks. This is my husband, Ben. All right. First of all, yes, good job. Uh, I did want to say, how many of you guys are glad that you go to a church that believes in miracles? All right. All right. So I'm going to demonstrate. How many of you guys were here last week? Some of you. All right. So last week, you witnessed a miracle. Maybe you didn't know it. This week, you're going to do the same thing. So I just want to point out how Pastor Sean 
is giving us an opportunity to believe in miracles and see miracles in this church. Last week and this week both, he has invited Pastor Aaron on stage and only given him five minutes to talk. Okay? Okay, no. No, here's the deal. I'm complimenting Aaron too, Pastor Aaron. Pastor Aaron talks a lot with God, and he gets a lot from God. And he has a gift of teaching that I do not have. So let's give it up for Pastor Aaron. Yes. Okay. All right. Miracles have nothing to do with what I was talking about. Just an observation I saw last week. Okay. So no, Sean asked me a few weeks ago, would you want to speak? And I was like, you know, I kind of didn't say much. I'll think about it. And I got back to him and said, yes, I would speak. And so I was asking, I didn't have a clue what I was going to talk about, but I was, all the kids were gone, Liddy was gone to Branson, and I was out mowing on the tractor. So I began to ask God, what would you have me to speak? And I believe God dropped this little phrase in my spirit of, and he said, dare to dream again. And I knew what that meant for me. And so I started to begin to work on that. What's that look like for other people? And so I believe, how many of you guys are dreamers? You think big, you set big goals, you run after things, you chase it, chase big things. And so I believe that you're probably, if you're struggling with dreaming, you're in one of three categories. The first category, I would say, you'd, if I would ask you, hey, are you a dreamer? You would say, no, I don't dream. I'm barely keeping up with life. I have a job, I have kids, I have whatever, maybe, that I'm just too busy. I do not have time to dream. And so you don't set any dreams, you don't ask God, what things do you want me to do? And you just survive life. The second category I think you might fall into is maybe when you were younger, you had more time. Maybe when you first got saved, you were more excited. You set dreams and goals, and you ask God, what do you have for me? And then life has a way over time of knocking us down. Failures, uh, offenses, uh, just the bumps in the road, a lot of things, different things in life. And we begin to say, you know what? I've invested in that, but it didn't work for me. And so I'm not going to chase that again. And so basically, I think you fall back into category number one. And you just say, you know what? I'm just going to survive life and keep up, try to do the best I can. So we don't ask God to use us in big things. Or there's a category number three, I believe. And it's somebody who you have been a dreamer and you've reached a lot of your dreams. God's used you and you're, you've hit a spot in life where you're in a very comfortable spot because of where God's brought you through and all the things that God's done. And then you kind of go on cruise control. And this, when God spoke that to me and he said, dare to dream again, I knew that this is, I've struggled to this the last few years. I've hit a spot in my life where, you know, like I said, I, I grew up as a dreamer. My parents were dreamers. My dad would dream of the craziest things. But we just had that atmosphere growing up in our house. And so when I got, when I was young, I had that same, I caught, the, caught on to that of being a dreamer. I dreamed of marrying a godly pretty woman. I can check the box, okay? I dreamed of a family. When we got together, we dreamed of a family that when our kids were older, which they're getting there, she just told you that, but when our kids were older, that they wouldn't just love God, which they do, that they would love each other, which they do, and they would even take it a step further and love other people. And if you know my kids, I think that's demonstrated through them. And then there's just simple things. Maybe you call them natural dreams. Just I always dreamed of a building my own house on acreage with the barn, with the four-wheeler, lots of little things. And I can check all these boxes. And I dreamed of keeping all my hair. You can't win them all, okay? All right? I didn't say that last night, but you can't win them all. Okay, but no, so God, the problem is when you get to this spot, you're in a very comfortable spot. And like I said, you go on cruise control. And the thing about cruise control, Lydia will ask me, we drive to Colorado a lot, and Lydia says, why don't you use cruise control? 
couple things. One, which is a good point for me and a bad point for me, I like to be in control, so I don't use cruise control. Okay, but two, I believe in cruise control, your response time is a little slower if you have to respond to something. You know, how many of you guys in cruise control, you'll admit, you take off your shoes? Anyway, some, yes. Okay, how many of you guys take it a step further and you like put one leg up on the seat? Some of, yep, yeah, you're raising your hand every time. Okay. Now, how many of you, and there's probably at least one, probably more, maybe only one that will admit it, but you sit Indian style in cruise control. <laughs> he didn't raise his hand, okay. He's not that flexible. Okay, no, but my, my point is, in cruise control, I believe your response time is a little slower. And if something happened and your feet were sitting like this, and something ran in front of you, it's a lot harder to get your foot down to the brake, to slow things down. It's a lot harder to speed up. It's a lot harder to change directions. And God showed me in my life that if, when I'm on cruise control in this third level, and God says, I want you to slow down in this area, it takes me a little longer because I'm comfortable to slow down. If God says, I want you to speed up or change directions, it takes me a little longer. And so I realized for me, that comfortable spot that I've been in, is I need to respond a little faster and not sit on cruise control. So like I said, you're in one of three spots. If you're in the first area and you say, you know what, I just, I don't dream. I'm only keeping up. I want to challenge you guys to, to dream. Ask God. God has a dream for each and every person in here. And it's going to look different than the person next to you. But God has a dream for everybody. Begin to ask God, what is the dream for me that you have? If you're in the second one and you would say, you know, I used to do it. I don't do it anymore. Then begin to evaluate those. Why did I stop doing that? Begin to trust God again. Put yourself out there. Risk again because God has big things for you. And if you're in the last one and you're on cruise control, realize that's not the destination. The destination is in the journey, as they say. The destination is in the journey. So begin to ask God, what do you want me to do now? You brought me here and I'm thankful for where you put me, but what do you want me to do now? So in either category, I'd ask you to dare to dream again. All right, Joseph and Megan. Okay, I want you to close your eyes. What we're going to talk about applies to everyone, but we're going to be talking mostly to married couples. So as your eyes are closed, if your spouse is next to you, I want you to grab their hand and hold their hand. I want you to envision yourself, your marriage, in two years. Go there in your mind. What are you celebrating how are you serving in the church and in the community together two years from now? What new things are you experiencing together? Where are you living two years from now? How's your prayer life with your spouse? You can open your eyes. Today we're talking about your marriage's vision. The definition of vision is in the dictionary is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. And we as Christians, we're going to take it a step further and say that it's the ability to think about or plan the future with God's imagination and God's vision and wisdom. Scripture, we know, is God-breathed, and we want to base our life off of his word, right? But what we're talking about today is your specific vision for your specific marriage under the umbrella of the word of God. And so it's like the difference between reading the Bible for you know, for your life and just really getting the word of God into your life versus hearing the right now word of God saying, I want you to give so-and-so a hundred dollars. You see the difference? 
So vision also guides our decisions. It, it does. It, it guides what we want to say yes to and what we want to say no to. Most people, if I said, do you want good things in your life? You'd say, of course I do. So we say yes to good things. The difference is, is in your marriage, you have to know where you're going or you'll say yes to all the good things. And so what we're really talking about is being able to have some space in your schedule so when God says, hey, I have a great thing for you, a God thing, you actually have time. Right, so what you're saying is don't sacrifice great things for good things. And um, just a little story is we've just been recently learning about this marriage vision um, concept. And when we got that, when we wrote it down, we really got, grasped our marriage vision. We looked at our schedule and we looked at other opportunities that were coming our way. And we took the, each opportunity and each thing that we're doing and we lined it up with what our marriage vision was. And we said, does this activity or this opportunity line up with our marriage's vision? And if it did, we said, yes, let's bring it on. Let's do it with everything that we've got. If it is no, then we said, you know what? This doesn't really line up with our marriage vision. So you know what? We're going to have to kindly pass. So, so how do you get your marriage vision? There's, here's the first step. You have to die to yourself, each of you. You have to say, it's no longer what I want, but what do you want, God? That is the first step to actually hearing directly from God. Now that you've done that and you've said, it's not my will, it's your will, God. Now it's time to come together and it's time to dream. I want you to grab each other's hands, I want you to sit down and I want you to dream big God dreams. And I want you to ask yourself, what do we really want together? Not just, oh, no, what do we really want? Where do we wanna live? What do we want in our finances? What do we want our spiritual walk to look like? our daily rhythm, our family life. And then I want you to write it down. Yeah, writing it down is so important. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. When you write down the vision together, what it does is it does a, a lot of things, but one of the things it does is it, it keeps you from minimizing that vision when times get rough. And to illustrate that story a little bit, we just got back from Colorado and we did a lot of hiking. It was beautiful. We did a ton, a ton of hikes, but none of them were like crazy hard. And by the end of it, we were like, you know what? We really want to do something that challenges us. We want to do something that we can conquer together. And so we looked up some different hikes on this little app and we found one that we thought was like, yeah, this is going to be a good one. And so we did it and we got to the, the destination and it really wasn't that hard, but it was beautiful, but it really wasn't that hard. And we were like, you know what? That wasn't that hard. But on the way, we saw this sign and here's a sign on the screen here. And we saw the sign and it said, Black Lake, 2.8 miles. And we're like, yeah, we could, we could do that. What's another two miles, right? What's, what's, what's another two miles? Bad choice. Black <laughs> um, Lake. <laughs> Black Lake. Um, so what we did, we, we were like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. And so we started hiking and we didn't have any cell phone service or anything like that to where we could really look up to see how hard it was. A bad mistake. Um, but we did it. And, we, and one of our daughters was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. She was right on board. And our other daughter, not so much. She was like, this is so hard. 
I can't do this. I'm so tired. I can't do that. There's so many steps. And we're like, you know what? What we ended up doing was we were encouraging her, but we were also encouraging each other because it was hard. We said, just take one step at a time. Every step that you take is one step closer to the end. And so we were like, let's just one more step. Just one more step. Just take one more step. And so then we'd get to this corner, and we'd see something like this. Okay, one more step. We can do this. And then we were like, okay, it's got to be there. We're almost, we have to have done two miles by now. And we turned another corner, and we saw this. And we're like, oh, my goodness. And by this point, we're like so tired. And we're thinking, oh, my goodness. And and at, at some point, our daughter that was really struggling, she was like, I don't even think this thing is real. I don't even think this, this lake is even there. I don't even, it's got to be fake or something. But you know what? We had that promise on that sign that it was there. We knew it was there because it was written down. That's right. And so we, we said, okay, we can keep doing this. And then uh, all of a sudden this lady just comes bounding down the, the stairs. And, and we're like, we are so tired. Are we almost there? She's like, oh, yeah, it's right around the corner. She lied. Liar. She lied. She lied. It was not, it was not around the corner. But we kept going, and then um, we ended up getting to these last stairs here. And you can see Joseph and our, one of our daughters. And at the very top of the waterfall was the lake. And that's, we've got a picture of that, too. And it was beautiful. And it was everything that was promised. It was gorgeous, but it was hard. It was hard. The hike was hard. It stretched us. When you have a God vision, it's going to stretch you. It's going to stretch. Do I believe what God told me? It's going to be hard work, but I can tell you if he promises it to you, you can hold on to that truth. So our challenge to you is surrender your will for your marriage to God. Invite the Holy Spirit to direct you. Dream together. Write the vision down. And start walking one step at a time. Thanks. We are on the, the little red light is on. Just in case you don't know what that means. That means that this mic can shut off at any time. But we have a, a spare, so, yeah. So, listen, I can't deny what, what Ben said, okay? But I can say this to all of you. Get ready for a miracle. Because we are going to stay inside our window here. So, when I say first responder, you guys all know what I mean, right? You know, I'm talking about police officers, highway patrol, sheriff's deputies, EMTs, paramedics, fire department. When something happens, something traumatic, a crisis uh, happens, the first responder is the one that's first on the scene and begins dealing with the crisis. Um, And what we're going to talk about today real quickly is that for us, when we encounter a crisis or trauma in our life, Our first responder is prayer. 
Prayer is our first response. And if we don't go to prayer as our first response, it's the same thing as if you were to get into a car accident and the first responder just didn't show up. Well, then you've got to figure out what you're going to do. But for us in life, first res- our first responder is prayer. And we want to talk about specifically how that works with a husband and a wife because it's especially powerful when a husband and a wife uh, respond in prayer together when something comes up and something always comes up. So we get lots of opportunities to do this, but it's very powerful. Our first response is prayer. Now, I want to tell you real quickly two things that that does, and then I'm going to hand the rest of it over to Sarah. Number one, when you as a married couple, as a husband and a wife, when you first, your first response is prayer, number one, it creates unity in your response. And that's very important because depending on what might be going on, the situation may be trying to pull you apart and cause division. When you respond in prayer together, it creates unity. And that's powerful. Number two, when you respond in prayer, and this is even a bigger deal, it invites the Holy Spirit into that situation and basically allows him because he works with us, it allows him to begin to operate and do the things he needs to do to create a supernatural resolution to whatever's going on. And we have to have him working with us. And so when we respond in prayer, it, it brings the Holy Spirit into that situation and we sense the difference when he arrives. Amen? All right, I'm going to yield the remainder of my time to the lovely woman on my right. And I, I will say, I mean, we wouldn't be saying prayer works if it didn't work. I mean, we're saying it because we've had ups and downs. I mean, it's, I mean, please pop the bubble if you think you're looking at any of the pastors or leadership and think they haven't gone through things. We've seen a huge difference when we've responded in prayer and at times when we've not thought about doing that and not responded Yeah, and that's prayer. one thing we've Huge talked difference. about too, I mean, over this last week. I mean, there are times, even this last week, when we, I've gone through something with my, my family or something, and I noticed something inside of me that wasn't of God. And I reached out to Aaron, and I mean, reach out to whoever you can if you don't have a spouse right now. I mean, but I reached out to Aaron and I said, this isn't right, something in my thought pattern isn't good. Let's stop it now. And so, anyway, Aaron and I have been married 25 years this year. Um, and, yeah. And that is a big deal. Um, I have uh, surpassed my parents' divorce. I think it was 14 years. And so that is a victory for, for me personally. And if you think about that for your family, if you've had dysfunctional family, which most of us have, Um, It is a really big deal. Uh, But there was one thing as I was driving here to church yesterday, uh, there was one thing I wanted to share. Uh, When you pray, and a lot of times when people hear the word pray, they're like, ah, pray. I mean, pray, okay. I mean, yeah, we should do it. We don't do it. You really should do this. Um, And it's not just a quick prayer at at the dinner table, what we do. I mean, it's intentional. This, I'm talking about, closing our bedroom door, sitting down and saying, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. And, what, and when you pray, you're inviting God's ideas, his thoughts, and his promises into that time. 
So if you're dealing with depression, suicide, anger, you name it, that is not from God, when you stop and you say, you know what, I'm gonna pray about this and see what God says about this, it can change the course. Aaron and I together have changed the course of our life because of prayer. It's not a joke. I mean, and something Joseph and Megan, you know, talking about one step at a time, every step, prayer should be a part of that. If it's not, make it a part today. After you leave here, in your car, I mean, again, it doesn't have to be, I mean, we'll, we'll drive around the city and pray. We'll, I mean, it doesn't have to be, again, uh, pop the bubble of it has to be at the di dining room table or I, I don't even know where everybody thinks you have to pray or at church. Pop the bubble. I mean, come to church and pray. I mean, I mean, find a group of people, find somebody, but I'm just telling you the power of prayer. We have seen miracles. We have seen healings, emotional healings. I have overcome so many things because of prayer and praying with my husband. And, you know, this is something, this is a, a habit and a culture that we established even before we were married. And so uh, when we were dating, we would, we would take time and pray uh, regularly in a, in a serious kind of set-aside time. And, and people started hearing that we pray, and when we pray, things would happen. People would bring their prayer requests to us. You know, hey, can you guys pray for this? Can you guys pray for that? And so that's something that we built into our culture as a relationship even before we got married. And it's been the game changer for us so many times. And uh, so what I want to do right now is uh, we're going to kind of come in for a landing here. Let me invite you guys to stand up. And uh, I want to just say one more thing as everybody's getting ready to kind of transition back into a time of worship. Let's have the band come back up too. You know, I, I mentioned this last time. When, last week when we kind of closed out. There's so many important things that have been said today. There's so many critical things. As I'm sitting up there listening to everybody else share, I'm like, man, that is God. That is a God thing. That is a right now word. Um, and there, there can be a tendency when you've heard so many different people speak different things to kind of just move on to the next person and maybe forget a little bit of what you've already heard. I want to encourage you to go back and jump online and watch this again. And uh, maybe even take notes or something like that so that you really get everything that was shared. Because what Pastor Sean's asking us to do is to share what God is saying and I believe these are things that God is saying, and that makes them pretty important. And so let's do that. I wanna encourage you to do that. And right now, let's just completely focus on God. Lord, we're in awe of you. We are amazed by how full of love and full of power you are. And God, right now, as we've been, as our hearts have been open and we've just been filled up with your word and, and good things and wisdom uh, and solid teaching and what you've been saying to people, Lord God. Lord, we're just that much more in awe of how wonderful you are, of how you care for us, of how you, the God of all creation, is interested in our lives. And it just makes us want to worship you, God. It makes us want to lift up your name and praise you. So let's all just lift up our hands right now to him. Jesus, we give you glory. Jesus, there's no one beside you, Lord God. There's no one like you, Jesus, in heaven or in earth. And Lord, we say that all of our heart is directed towards you. 
Lord, all of our thoughts are aimed at you right now, Jesus, God. And as we focus on you and as we lift you up, Lord, right now, we just receive your presence even again into this room as you make yourself known to us. God, we worship you, Lord, with everything we have.